This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 141 and going. Um, back here for another week, uh, another another uh, Jekyll and Hyde week for the Gophers, but uh, we're going to make it all a little bit better. As we have a guest this week and uh, you'll recognize him from the Big Ten Network and probably from maybe the old school days back playing for Ohio State. Um, we have Paul Caponigri joining us. Cappy, how are you doing? Well, you're the you're the third big BTN person we've had on. We've had we've had Dan Kelly on, and we had uh, uh, Pizzo on a couple of years ago as well. So we've almost got the whole gang on from your network. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't let those guys get all uh, all the words in from <laughs> from BTN, and and especially Pizzo. We spend a lot of time uh, in the studio together, and then uh, we tried at the golf course quite a bit in the summertime. So I couldn't let him. Uh, you know, get all the glory. Or you just tease him with golf courses when it's cold, like you did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, he does that to me. So, you know, I know he goes down in February and covers the Big Ten uh-huh. uh, in Florida while we're up, you know, freezing our butts off, you know, up north. So I got to be able to do it when I can on him. <laughs> well, we're, we're, it's nice to have you on. Um, hey, we'll try to get you on again sometime in the future. But, you know, one of the reasons sure. we're having you on is – you know, our Gophers are playing your Buckeyes this weekend, and your, Buc- <laughs> your, your Buckeyes are pretty good. We'll, we'll get to that series in the end, but you know, tell us, you know, tell us your little bit of history with with uh, with the the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, you, you mean my history? Yeah, just, your history. Well, my history. Well, uh, it, it took me a little while to get to college. You know, I was one of those twenty-one-year-old uh, freshmen, um, but I'll tell you, it really. Uh, you know, it, it, I was ready, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, a lot of time in junior, I did three years under Mike Hastings as a, you know, probably a lot of people know in Omaha, spent three years with him and, you know, he's uh he was a great coach and he really, he was a great guy to repair you for college hockey. And uh, as you can see now what he's doing over at, in Minnesota state. So uh got there and, and, you know, got off. He, like I said, he got me going ready for college right away had a pretty good career and uh we were able to get a a championship my senior year first one in 32 years so uh, played with some yeah i know right uh but played with some some pretty good players i think my junior year uh, we had four guys that ended up playing in the nhl at some time or another Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh we even played the gophers i think in the icebreaker at xl uh, right after they just won their first of two consecutive national uh, championships, uh, I, I think I was. So I think I was us. at that game. You might. It was. Uh, yeah, it was probably have been. Um, that would have been. Would that have been Vanek's first game? First game. It was like O <laughs> two, yep. O two XL. So they they finished at the XL and they started the next season at the XL. And uh, I remember Vanek was already putting on a show, and you had Paul Martin and. <laughs> 
Keith Ballard were teeing up one timers on five on threes. I think they pounded us six one or something like that. So. Yeah, and that's that's actually that's actually <laughs> that's where my only go for experience. In, well, uh, that, in playing days. That's it's a little different these days. I mean, I know the I know Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota did go to play Ohio State sometime about ten years ago or so. Yeah. Um, and just a little bit once in a while, a couple back and forth, but now obviously they're in the same conference. So we get to see them four times a year. So it's, yeah. it's quite, quite a different story than it was back in the day when we, when we never saw you guys. We just, it was just one of those things, you know, we only saw pretty much with the CCHA, we'd see, you know, Michigan and Michigan state, you know, because of that old college hockey showcase. Yep. Yeah, we were always. I was always a little jealous of that, to be honest. Yeah, to never kind of be able to get involved. With that we never did see you guys or Wisconsin. Um, saw Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament my senior year. That was it. And mm-hmm. now it's it's just so weird. You know, we're in year six of the Big Ten, and it's so nonchalant now. Um, but I, I, you know, what's funny is you know you talk about maybe expansion. How long is it going to take? Um, you know, for the next teams to come around. And, you know, when I was playing, I was thinking, oh, man, when is the Big Ten going to happen? You know, that, in my <laughs> mind, um, from my perspective. And, you yeah. know, about, you know, eight to ten years later, it did happen. So um, what knows what will happen next with uh, more and more teams? Because I, I feel like there need to be more. There's just too many good hockey players out, out there um, and not enough teams. Well, I, yeah, yeah you, they do want to get to maybe an even, least at least to eight teams. The, the odd teams just kind of, it just never quite works. And uh, Viggs, maybe we'll see that someday. An eighth team join the Big Ten. You, you think it might be Arizona State down there? Well, I think no one's going to take Arizona State as a team until they get their arena situation figured out. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know, it's just something, something that you know Penn State was able to take care of right away with a big donor. And I think the Big Ten you know, has the potential to wait until they get the right fit. And I think it's better to have the right fit than the wrong fit. Well, that makes sense. Well, um, Viggs, uh, we need to talk about our, our gophers here before we get too much further, because it was, uh, I, I, I've, I've been calling it all season, a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. Either they score or they don't score. They, you know, they, they win big or they don't win. And that's exactly what we saw bottled into one or two games last weekend with Michigan state. I do think Michigan State had a little something to do with it on Saturday. <laughs> True. Um, Dan Cole said Dan Cole said after the game that on Friday night they played a great 85-foot game on a 100-foot rink. And you can <laughs> see that in the pace of play. You know, Minnesota was able to get speed through the neutral zone. They were able to get goals on the rush. Uh, their centers were able to penetrate the middle of the defense and crash the net and create some space. Um, you saw them be able to gain the zone go low to high, get all kinds of different goals on the end zone game. And then you flip that to Saturday, just about every time the Gophers were coming up across into the neutral zone, there was a forward who was keeping the puck on one side of the ice, and there was a defenseman who was preventing anybody from getting a pass to the middle of the ice. So what Michigan State really did was they isolated Minnesota to the walls, and they just never adjusted. And that was the frustrating thing to watch. You know, they have this game plan where they want to create speed and they want to possess the puck. And Michigan State took that away, and there was no answer. And they got really lucky with two power play goals and couldn't take advantage of it. Well, and that's and that comes back to maybe some of the coaching and some of the systems that uh, that Motzko is trying to push, doesn't it, Viggs? I mean, it, it takes time for the kid for the kids to learn this, and obviously you might have some stubborn older guys who may not be on board as much. Um, but uh, it's, it is going to be a process for them, won't it? 
Yeah, it's a little baffling. I mean, the first 10 minutes, I thought Minnesota did a pretty good job of trying to maintain possession, you know, dump the puck every once in a while, try to get something going. They just didn't show the patience with it. And I think they got a little frustrated and kind of disappeared. And it wasn't like their power play was generating great chances on the goals they got. One of them came when a Michigan State player broke his stick, created tons of room in the middle of the zone, and they were able to get a puck from the point that Sheehy got a stick on. And then the next one, Sheehy hopped off the bench, waltzed right in the zone, no one picked him up, and he was able to shelf one. So it's not like their power play was clicking either. Yeah. Um, Cappy, you've been through yep. this. You've you've switched teams for you've had coaches change on you. What's sure. the most difficult, you know, transition for a player? Is it just just their mindset or, you know, what 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 does a player need to do to kind of, you know, absorb a lot of this stuff and what the coaches are trying to tell them? Yeah, I I mean, I think at first when you you get in there with a new guy, you're just trying to impress them, I think. I think that's mm-hmm. what I come to my mind is you just want to show your game what you can do. Um, you know, you're soaking in systems and what this one, you know, and you, like I said, these guys that are seniors have been listening to the same thing for three years for mm-hmm. the most part in the same voice. And, you know, maybe a lot, you know, it, it really depends on some guys maybe were, were, were loving it, um, what they were doing. And some guys, you know, it's, it's depends on the guy. I just think at first you're just trying to get in there and, uh, make a good impression. So, you know, he wants to put you in, you know, and, and play you in all uh, different situations. Cause you know, he's seen you from afar and, you know, he's watched maybe some tape on you, but until he sees you day in and day out on the ice and what you can and can't do, you know, it, you know, it's almost like a job interview to a certain extent. And yeah. you're, you're worried about so many different things, let alone, you know, you're not just coming in. Okay. I know my coach. I know what we're trying to do here. We just got to get the freshman involved. You're actually trying to do it yourself along with the other guys. So, you know, it, it can take some time and, you know, we're, you know, we're December one now, so you should see some more consistency, but you know, it's, it's, it's not something where I, I see that, you know, it can't come or, you know, it's, we're too far in to see something, you know, great still happen with this team. Well, one trouble that we're going to have here, Viggs, is that, you know, it might just start clicking maybe against Ohio State or against, I believe, the next opponent might be Michigan. But then they shut it down for three weeks. Um, is that a concern at all? Well, it's something they deal with in college hockey every year, mm-hmm. you know, these long winter breaks for exams and the holidays. And it's just something they're going to have to overcome. I think they're a little behind the rest of college hockey because of their start. And I think that hurt them more than anything else. This winter break is something they're used to, though. Yeah, that 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 weird October. I, we've never seen anything like that. You know, you had you know, a couple games, then a couple exhibitions. They didn't play a real game for about three weeks. Um, Cappy, that would throw anybody off, wouldn't it? The the kind of yeah, season I, that Minnesota started. It was just it wasn't a start to a season. It was a, it was kind of stumbling into one. Yeah, I can't imagine that that will that's kind of scheduling will be happening ever again. <laughs> you know, up to Coach Motzko. I mean, yeah, you played, you know, and you got off to a great start. Hey, you, you gained some momentum. I mean, you know, then you're talked about. Wow, what a great first. Then you had three weeks to kind of sit on it, and you're waiting for this huge rivalry game. That's another one game, you know. So in essence, you played one game in, in three weeks. Um, you know, where you're, you know, in mentally in that you know college hockey mode you know you're playing those other ones but you know it's not the same when you're playing an exhibition um but yeah it's 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 yeah they're probably played besides the ecac you know ivy leagues they probably played the least amount of games at this point 
at 11. Um, you know, so I think it's, yeah, you got four, you know, difficult games coming up here before the break. And, you know, you, you just want to kind of keep building. And then, you know, sometimes it's good to have those three weeks off. You know, like you're saying, sometimes, you know, you're pressing and it's like, a, you know, it's a new season when you come back. And I do think Cappy's right a little bit about the players trying to impress the coaches and figure out what the coaches are looking for. You know, talking to the guys after the St. Lawrence weekend, you know, I think they were a little bit surprised on Friday with what St. Lawrence was throwing at them with their man-to-man coverage, uh, a little surprised with what they put out on their power play. And it was just the players and the coaches getting to know each other and trying to figure things out. Uh, one of the goals that happened on Saturday you know, Moscow thought the team was kind of a little off on their game at the end of the second period, so he made a late line change. You know, the next line that was going to come out, uh, he didn't want to have them out against the KHL line, so he made a late change, and so there wasn't any back pressure on that tying goal. And I just think there's a little bit of this getting to know each other stuff still happening, and the only way that's going to happen is if they play a lot of games. Well, one of the things we've been keeping on uh, a tab on all season, Vigs, there are penalties dumb penalties and uh, uh what's how assess this past weekend with penalties how how did they do again <laughs> i thought it was better overall you're seeing less of the stick penalties that plagued them early especially on friday they didn't have hardly any um during the second period uh last week they had a couple but you know it wasn't a bunch of critical ones and it wasn't a bunch of them you know, in the offensive zone, it was some, you know, penalties you start to expect. Uh, you know, they're still calling them out during practice every time they happen, and it's something to watch going forward here. Well, it'll be interesting to see how these team, how this team does come together. I think they will eventually, but um, I think it's just going to take some time and uh, it's going to take some discipline. And you know what, Viggs? I think it's going to take effort because, you know, one thing we've noticed over the years, a lot of times that this team just doesn't quite have the effort or they're trying to do the fancy goal instead of the, getting the dirty, you know, blue collar goal. I think, uh, I think Motsko really needs to kind of push effort out there. You know, like he said during his opening uh, media conference, you know, thirty seconds of hell. I think they really need to get and embrace that. Well, I do think that effort can be a bit of a cliche at times. You got to put the effort in the right spots. You know, if you're trying to gain the zone with possession and it's not there for you, that's wasted effort. What they need to be able to do is show some patience in their game, get pucks deep, and, and put some pressure on it, and be patient on, on taking the puck to the net. You know, Too many times we're seeing these players fire the puck right in the goalie's glove for a whistle. You know, We want to see some patience, and, that, and that's effort too, You know, controlling your emotion where you want to try to pick corners and get goals on the rush. You know, I want to see some effort you know, towards the ground game a little bit more. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, Cappy, it's, it's nice yeah. to have you on for the more of the outside view. Um, sure. You know. <laughs> I watched a lot of the games, by the way, and probably the last three games I caught quite a bit of the, the Gophers. So feel free to. Well, no, them. actually what I was, <laughs> what I was actually leaning towards here is, you know, the Minnesota fans here have, have still not really embraced the big 10 as you could, sure. you could, you could see by the crowds not showing up and things like that. I'm just kind of curious what your national perspective is on this because, you know, I, I think uh, some teams embraced it. Some teams have not. Obviously, the fans here in Minnesota have not. I mean, you know, we've been we've we've given this up. You know, it's like, you know, either you support the team or you don't. But uh, right. it, it, it it was 
it was not a good change for Minnesota. It was, might have been a good change for everyone else. I was just kind of curious at your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I everyone wanted to be like Minnesota. You know, every game, almost every game is on TV. You're the, you know, you're the number one sport at your school, and you know, you're getting all, you know, you you're in a, you're the big fish in a, you know, small pond, so to speak. Uh, you know, at Ohio State, you know, behind, you know, we were so far behind, you know, basketball and football at least, you know you'd love to have a game on any kind of TV. So I think, you know, trying to build the sport in a national thing is what, you know, getting the big 10. That's what I think Terry Pagula at Penn state's vision was. I, I want to invest this money in my school so we can have a big 10 conference and mm-hmm. grow something that he maybe saw. And I think with Minnesota now, you know, now that their games aren't, aren't all, uh, you know, I hear this a lot, you know, from, from hearing you guys, Twitter, all our games aren't at seven o'clock on Friday and Saturday. You know, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you ruffled our feathers. You, you messed up our, our regular scheduled programs. We're not playing my, my cousins and brothers at St. Cloud every weekend, you know, our rivals yep. every weekend. It's, you know, that does, that is a big, you know, it's, it's asking somebody to change something that's been happening for 30, 40, 50, whatever years it's been. Um, it's going to take time and, uh, it'll never be that because of what I just said about how you're not going to, you know, you're playing Ohio State, Penn State, or top 10 teams or top five could be, you know, as good as those other teams, but they don't have the familiarity with players. You probably battle over recruiting, uh, coaches changing, you know, Motsko coming into Minnesota, you had, you know, Larson, it was at St. Cloud now, is you know, or is that St. Cloud now after leaving Duluth, you know, all that, everyone's so, so familiar with each other. You know the players from the recruiting battles. This, you know, you don't know Taro Hirose and Kodorenko come in and are great players, but you don't really know much about them other yeah. than, yeah. you know, they come in for the two games. And I think that's, you know, some of the bigger battles to get those fans, you know, to kind of at least buy in to like, hey, this is a great conference. Um, you know, let's let's get back on top. And it also, perhaps they came in and you guys just dominated the first five years winning you know, uh, the first four years uh, winning the title, the regular season. So uh, there's a lot of things there. And, uh, you know, you, you just, all you do is try to put out good product. And, you know, we try to do that. I think Dan and Ben and Fred do a great job. Um, and, you know, you just you, you, you do it. You call it the way you see it. And hopefully that uh, the fans start coming along. Well, that's what we're hoping as well, because, uh, you know, from our perspective, you know, we hear a lot of people complaining about the TV and the, the, the facts are is that they're on just as much as they were before. Right. Um, they might be on a couple different networks, but it it's I think it's come to the point where people are just they're just mad just to be mad. And they're just yeah, looking I, for excuse to just complain about it. Because, you know, you, you you hear it all the time. Oh, well, where's the How come Big Ten's not showing this? Well, you know what? Big Ten has football tonight or Big Ten has basketball. And it's just a fact of television that those two sports are going to be number one, yeah. number two, and hockey is down the line. It's just a fact. I mean, uh, people really can't accept that. So and they just have to it's, – it's not a big adjustment uh, for television. You just have to use your guide like everyone has, and you can find the games. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I, hey, believe me, if I, you know, had my choice, I'd, we'd be on every game. And we'd be doing up double headers every every night. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you got those sports, you also got, you know, I see a lot of women's volleyball. I mean, 
geez, the Big Ten has got like seven or eight teams ranked, and Minnesota volleyball is great, and they're on a lot. So they they gotta you know they gotta spread the wealth out with sports to go along with basketball and football. So yeah, I mean it's 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 not ideal for anyone, but I, I mean I, it's still you're looking at besides Minnesota, you're looking at these other schools that are getting you know ten to twelve games on national TV a year, where you'd be lucky to get two or three in the past. And V's, I think some people just I just haven't seen the big picture yet, have they? Well, and with social media, you're going to hear the 5% that really don't like it. You're not going to hear from the 80% who are happy. You know, you're still seeing crowds announced about 9,000 at Mary G. I think they're probably a little under 70% scan rates right now uh, for attendance. Uh, some of them are even worse, but at the same time, you know, each Big Ten school is cashing a $40 million check. You know, each Big Ten hockey program is among the top ten in expenses among college hockey programs in the country. You know, it's a pretty good deal to be a Big, big Ten hockey player. You know, when you look at people who are getting recruited, you know, the Big Ten still has that aura to it. You know, it's a big campus, big experience, um, everything you want, lots of chartered flights, uh, great strength and nutrition people. Um, so I think it's overblown a little bit and I think it's been good for college hockey overall. It hasn't been great for Minnesota, but I think, you know, hockey is becoming a more national game. You look at where all the players are coming from these days. Even Minnesota has a guy from Arizona right now. So I think the game's growing a lot and Minnesota will get new fans. They'll figure it out over time. It's like, you know, turning a big ship at sea. Uh, they're starting to figure things out a little bit, little by little. And Cappy, you know, mm -hmm. when the when the Big Ten started, you know, one of the problems was, you know, a couple teams had some down years right off the bat. I mean, you had Michigan, you had, you know, Wisconsin, had some kind of down years. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, you've got your Notre Dame coming in there. You've got Ohio State really turning it around. Um, you know, Michigan's coming back now. This is becoming a much stronger conference, but the problem was right at the beginning when it all started, all the big hoopla, it wasn't good at all. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't. I mean, when they first were thinking about it, you were thinking like, "Wow, look at these five teams that are are going to be together," you know. And then you add Penn State, you're like, "Wow, this, there's when when's there going to be a you know a, an easy night?" And then by the time it gets started, you had the I mean, Wisconsin was good that first year. They won the playoff, and then they, you know, lost everybody. Um, Michigan was bad. Then they had the one year with the with the big line, the CCM line, and then they dropped off. You know, you just didn't, you know, you, and then Michigan State's been fighting it the whole time. They used to, you know, they won national championships, and they used to be a CCHA perennial top team. So uh, it's uh, it's it. I think that battle, like Minnesota people thought, okay, we're going to Big Ten, and then it was a yawn to get through it and win mm -hmm. win the title. So, you know, where's the excitement? You know, I don't know. What I'm thinking, I'm thinking now is that, you know, they're down now. I, the people, you know, they're looking like maybe the fourth or best team in the league, and, hey, you know, maybe this kind of is like a way to be like a – not a Cinderella, but like, hey, we're the underdog now. Let's, let's, let's prove ourselves. Let's, you know, let's – charge at those teams above us and, and turn it around that way. You might be able to get some fans kind of to buy in that way. Hey, we're, you know, we're looked down on now a little bit from the outside, from those teams above us. Let's, let's, let's earn our respect that way by grinding our way to, to get into the top the hard way. 
The biggest problem we have around here is that we do have a lot of those people who kind of romanticize like the old WCHA, the final five. Sure. Um, It's, 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 it's hard to reproduce that. I mean, we saw some, some quality hockey in that league. Uh, The final five was, it was the best tournament. It was, it was almost a letdown to have the NCAA tournament after that many times, especially, especially if the same teams played because, you know, you know, I remember that big 2007 game when Blake Wheeler scored in overtime, falling, you know, diving in front of 19,000 people. It was just amazing. It was loud. It was, it was, you know, half the fans were, you know, Sioux fans and then we had the Gopher fans and then all other fans there. And they played through this incredible game, incredible crowd. Then they play the next week at Pepsi center and, in the NCAA, in front of a, a quarter of that, no yep. atmosphere. Um, yep. So that's one problem that Minnesota has: is that you know they were the base of that of that uh, tournament, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know people they took days they would take vacation every year around the Final Five, and that part is gone now. And I, I that's that's the one thing that's going to be tough to bring those fans back because they're just angry to be angry. It's like support your team, but they're just angry. Yeah, I mean that's and like I was saying before, it's like you're and when you go to those final fives, you are seeing a lot of the same hockey's. Hockey's a great sport because it's a small, you know, mm-hmm. it's a small group of people. You're going to see a lot of the same people at those same final fives every year, and you're going to be friends with some, and you're going to hate some because they're wearing Sioux stuff or they're wearing St. Cloud stuff or mm-hmm. you know, and you'll never be able to get that those emotions going when you when you sit across the, the aisle from a. Uh, you know, Michigan fan, uh, you know, it's just, it's, you know, that'll take years and years. I mean, like the final five was going on for decades, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it's a time thing and it'll never exactly be the same, but I'll tell you, I mean, uh, and we've you've said this, I've heard you and I, and I, God bless you. I, I love listening to you when you're fighting about the TV thing and everything <laughs> with fans on Twitter and stuff. And I, I get some chuckles, not at anyone's, it's just a funny thing, but uh it's uh it's it's (laughs) i don't even know the words to describe it's just it it, it's it's here to stay it's not it is and you know i don't want everyone knows that they're they're not naive about it and i get it people are angry at times but uh i think it's a great product like you said with these teams coming on and, and you know there's rumors of maybe you know university illinois getting a team if that were to happen that would be great that gets you eight teams and i think that just aligns things up and then you still get your great non-conference games, you know, and which is going to make Minnesota's schedule insanely difficult every year. But you're playing, you know, St. Cloud or Duluth or North Dakota every year in your non-conference or Minnesota State. You know, you're getting those games still. So I think you, 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 you can still get the best of both worlds to a certain point. I can't disagree with that. Um, we've got a couple questions in the Mixler chat. We're going to get to them in just a second here. But uh, let's hear from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors, the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom 
historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPL Podcast, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Okay, let's head up the Mixler chat questions, you know, for those of listening live. And I know Tom's is, is wanting to know Cappy. He wants to know if we can get a Cappy slash Luke Stoffiger rematch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is great. Where did see that? See, there were there was a rematch. I, I, I oh, there you go. Um, yeah, there is a great there was a video on uh, on YouTube, I think, of me in a in a United League game in like 2008 with Luke Stoffiger. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was that was a funny one. Two 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 lightweights for sure, and a, a little scrappy. Wait, scrappy you're, you're not a big fighter, Cappy. You had your share of penalty minutes all the way through your career. I did, but they weren't all from fighting. Yeah, I you know uh, I liked I, I my Italian blood inside me. Uh, I like to talk a lot, and my uh, to be good, I had to be emotional out there, and, and sometimes. Uh, you know, I'd talk to the refs a little more than maybe I should have. Yeah, you and Pat Micheletti, you got a little bloodline shared maybe. <laughs> it's, you know, the curse of the Italian blood. <laughs> and I, I don't think, you know, a lot of fans might not hear a lot of what these players say out there, but uh, you do hear some gems. Were you a big talker out on there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did. I, I felt like I, I was engaged when I did. If I was quiet, I was kind of mm-hmm. not. So it, it was always a kind of trying to walk the fine line of, you know, being engaged and, and talking to a certain, you know, just taking it to a certain extent to get your almost your own self going. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 the referee thing too. I, you know, some guys, you know, the head of officiating, um, Steve Petrowski for the Big Ten. He was a ref when I was going, and and we we got off a rough start my freshman year in the playoffs. And but by the time I was a senior, we were we were good buddies on the ice, and we would still flare up at each other here and there. But um, you know, we talk before games and whatnot. And and now I see him whenever I'm on the road at a game, and I see him. We just have a good chuckle and laugh about the past and talk about how things are going now. Well, a lot of times, you know, I get, uh, I'll be shooting up as a photographer between the benches down at the Gopher games. And, uh, some of these kids are very original and, <laughs> and, you know, I see some, I see players from both teams laughing at times. And this is stuff that the TV cameras don't pick up and you know, fans can't hear. And, uh, these guys, you know, they, you know what I've noticed that the, a lot of the hockey community, they're out there having fun too. It's not just hockey at times. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just it's just a hockey thing. It seems like. I mean, I've heard I've heard guys talk about you know, I've heard some guys talk about you know like Wheeler's sister and all this other stuff, and it, it's just um, obviously some stuff we can't say on the air. Well, we could, sure, but we shouldn't. Sure. But uh, right. uh, it's uh, you guys are having fun out there, win or lose. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, I have a good, I have actually a good you know, go for related story back in junior. I was playing in Omaha and mm-hmm. Grant Petolny was playing for the Lincoln stars and, you know, we, big rivals, Omaha Lincoln, and we played them a ton of games and, you know, we, we jabbed at each other quite a bit. And, uh, he came up to me, I think he had just signed, you know, with the Gophers to, to committed there. And, you know, it was a big deal. He was, I think the first yep. one outside of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in my, my third year, I think. And he's asking me at the time, this is, you know, 
2000s. We're going back. He's like asking when I'm going to sign with, you know, with Quinnipiac. You know, at the time they were just starting their program, and he's giving me a hard time because <laughs> uh, I had didn't have any anywhere to go yet. And then, you know, he he jabs that one at me, and I respond, "Hey, man, whenever you when you sign, I'm joining you there, buddy." You know, just to kind of try to get him <laughs> off my back. But uh, but that's you know the little stuff like that. I mean, you know, we, it was that's what makes a game great. And the one beautiful thing about hockey is a lot of it can go undetected because you know basketball you know you're right on the sidelines people yep. can hear you from hockey you got face masks on and you know you got the glass so you can kind of get away with a little more back then in there well we got one interesting topic from jess in the mixler chat he wants to know uh let's start with you actually Viggs. um you know we've talked about this a little bit in the past but uh thoughts of regionals moving back to campuses and maybe having the highest seed hosts i mean what are your thoughts on that Viggs? I really would love it if they'd go back to a first-round best-of-three at the high seed. You know, you'd have eight first-round best-of-three series going on. It'd be great TV. Uh, I think it would be great for college hockey. Uh, you can see all these regionals. Very rarely is the attendance great. You know, it has to be kind of a magic, you know, home seed or home host making it to the region and then some regional rivals to fill up the building. So I think it'd be great for college hockey. I don't know if it's going to happen, mainly because there's enough small schools that want to protect themselves. In college hockey, you know, when you have to go on the road to be successful, and I think it would be great for the game to do it. Um, I know there are some coaches who would like it. Um, I think we're seeing in the Big Ten tourney with these home schools having great games, great atmospheres. You know, some of the opponents would rather do that than play in an empty building. You know, I think that's a good way to go for college hockey. WCHA, Big Ten, you know, they're already on board. Wait, Biggs, are you talking about the regionals? Have I'm talking the first round of the regionals, be a best of three, and then you could go into kind of a super regional before the final four. So you're just you reducing. Weekend, is that what you're saying? You need then? an extra weekend. Okay. Well, the, the, really, it's because the, the regionals are starting to become very – thinly attended even even in the big cities well there's rarely a, a good host out west you know i think some yeah. coaches might disagree but there's fargo and there's sioux falls right now you know there's penn state hosting the midwest regional that makes zero sense you know notre dame had an on-campus regional because no one else would bid for it you know college hockey isn't the big sport where these schools are willing to waste money trying to guarantee ncaa revenue for a regional yeah, I well, I mean, I think when we look back on it and why it happened was, I, I, well, it actually was around my time in, in the early 2000s when Michigan was hosting a couple of regionals in the early 2000s, and they were like the, the number four seed. You know, and I think you had Denver one year, who was the one seed, and CC, I think they were both maybe the number one overalls in Michigan, ended up coming out of those regionals both times because they were playing at home in front of 6,000 fans and had the kind of home home ice advantage and I think that kind of ruffled feathers that's that's kind of what I remembered kind of how that kind of got the steam got pulled ahead on that with the non-hosting at uh you know on at home ice and one of the things like you said Viggs is that there's not many arenas in this area that are teams that are willing to host at you know out east there's a lot more medium-sized arenas not the big you know like XL energy size you know because you know we've seen regionals here at the X and at Pepsi Center, and I, I believe even St. Louis, but uh, there's just not a lot of places to go. 
Yeah, I mean, the HL building is the right size rink for a regional. You know, when you're playing in the big NHL buildings, it's a great experience for the athletes, but at the same time, they're going to have to put up with the crowds. And I think if you did this on campus first round, you know, you look at last year, some of the teams hosting would have been uh, Cornell, Ohio State, Minnesota State, Providence. You know, those would have been compelling buildings. You know, they could have filled it up with their fans, and it would have been a great experience. You know, teams just on the outside, Northeastern, Clarkson, you know, those aren't exactly big schools. And if they had the opportunity to host that first-round series, it'd be great for them. You look at the WCHA when they have their playoffs at the home sites, Michigan Tech can fill a building for that. It's just, it's great for the fans. It's great for the teams. Well, I... Uh, when's the next time this comes up, Viggs? Uh, they they kind of talk about it every year. They want to tweak it and tweak this, but it, it's kind of was a by year or by every two years they talk about this. Well, they haven't announced the regional host pass this year, so it's it's up for some conversation. I doubt it gets to the level that I would like to see it at, but it is up for uh, negotiation. I know one of the big things they're looking at is the amount of guaranteed money that has to be put up by a host. Mm-hmm. You know, that might make it more feasible for some other schools. Because a school like St. Cloud or Minnesota Duluth just can't take the risk with their budget to try to be a host right now. It's just not feasible for them. And pretty much it's been Minnesota and, and North Dakota hosting the regionals for quite a few years. And actually it's been North Dakota, what, the past, it's going to be three years in a row? Yep. So it's... It, no one else can bid on it. And Minnesota's been busy, you know, with Final Fours and things like that at the time. So they've been tied up. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's get into this weekend. We got Ohio State coming into town for a Friday Saturday series. You know, the note, note that the Saturday games at uh, four p.m. a little earlier this week. So, don't forget that. And also, don't forget um, there's volleyball down <laughs> down at uh, and the university this weekend. There's NCAA. So, if you want to get to the games, you might want to go a little early because traffic will be a little different because uh, the pavilion across the street will be packed as well. So. Um, Cappy, your Buckeyes, they're looking really good so far. Yeah, well, I think they're back now to where they wanted to be, I think. Mm -hmm. I actually saw them in South Bend, and it was kind of the the beginning of where they kind of saw, you know, the team that you saw last year. And, you know, it was the weekend after they got thumped by Bowling Green 8-2. And I think... (laughs) You know, maybe sometimes, you know, you spend the whole summer getting, you know, your your back rubbed and tell how great you are. And, you know, you have expectations that maybe none of these guys have really experienced. And, you know, you might say the right things. You might plan to play, you know, as well as you can. But, you know, the game changes a little bit at first. And I think it took a little bit of a, you know, a kick in the butt here early on for them to kind of wake up and, and get back to the, the game. I know that uh, coach Rollick wants them to play. And I think it was that Notre Dame series that got him going. And, you know, you've seen now they're giving up, uh, you know, they had four or five shutouts already. And, you know, that's their game. They're going to, they're going to try to play that team game and make teams, you know, these talked about the Gophers being patient. And that's, I think something that they're going to need to be against Ohio state because the, the, them like Notre Dame, they don't, you know, make a lot of mistakes that, you know, they don't beat themselves off and they got to, you know, make you earn it. And I think that's something that they finally gotten back to the last three weeks, four weeks. And well, v- I think when this year's senior class, when they were freshmen, they had no patience. And when you played Ohio state, it was a run and gun game. 
Sure. And I think the change in their program happened last year. All of a sudden, they started playing with discipline and patience, and you saw that Frozen Four run because of it. Yeah, I think the you know uh, you know with getting Steve Miller, I mean that guy's track you know his track record has been amazing. Where he's gone, I'm, I'm surprised he's not gotten you know looks at maybe a higher you know at a head coaching or whatever. I don't know where that's got you know he's been with World Junior teams and whatnot, but I think he brought in some some discipline to their penalty kill and. And just a mindset thing that they had to change. Yeah, two years ago, I mean, you had their power play was great, but they were trying to to win game 6-5, kind of like what Penn State does a little more often. And, uh, you know, it had some success, but I think if you want to win league championships and national championships, you know, it starts in the back end, uh, as boring as that may sound to a guy like me who was a forward, was a forward and <laughs> maybe some of those guys. But when you get guys like Mason Yops buying into that, and you see your, you know, All-American leader maybe – you know, sacrificing some points. I mean, he was a 50 plus point guy as a sophomore. And, you know, you could see that he had changed his game and was, you know, buying into that. And when you got your leader doing that, it's, it's really hard for a younger guy or anyone else to not say that, or, you know, say that hey, I'm not going to follow that lead. And Viggs, I remember media day, you talking how impressed you were with Ohio state, how they had so much leadership coming back and that they were going to be a really strong team this year. Well, they almost reminded me of Denver a little bit from last year, and we saw how Denver kind of struggled a little bit to get going. You know, you have these huge expectations at the end of the season with all these guys who definitely passed up pro contracts to come back. And so I think it can take a little while for them to get their legs under them, get refocused, and you're seeing some great hockey out of Ohio State. You know, they've got elite talent all the way up and down their forward lines, and um, they play a tough game to play against. I think uh, Bob Moscow said, you know, when you've got guys who turn down pro contracts to play four years for you, that's when the magic starts happening for your program. And and he was a witness to that. You know, we remember back in 2002, uh, Jordan Leopold decided to come back his senior season, and, and they needed that leadership to get through and win that title for the first time in 23 years. Helps to be old in college hockey and – <laughs> you know, Ohio State has all the experience. One of the things I was interested in, I was looking at Ohio State, they've kind of divided up some of their big guns. You know, Yobst and uh, Joshua and Lozinski are all on different lines, at least last weekend. Uh, I haven't watched all their games this season, but has that been pretty consistent for them, Cappy? Uh, you know what? It has. I mean, as far as I've seen it, uh, they've tried to kind of spread out the wealth. They've put some young guys um, – Two freshmen that I've kind of noticed up front, uh, Gustav Westland. He doesn't have a goal yet, but he's got, I think, nine assists. Um, good, good skill guy. Uh, Quinn Press, Preston doesn't have a ton of points. But, you know, I think they're, you know, they see as those guys that eventually will be, you know, their guys, and they put them on a line with, say, a Lisinski and a Gerard. So you got a junior, senior, and a freshman. So I think they like kind of balancing out and, you know, they're not trying to, you know, load up one line to win, you know, get those guys to to get six six goals. They, they just need three. You know, that's kind of where they're at right now. And, and if they spread it out, you know, so be it. And I, and I think that's what they're kind of doing at this point. And, and it seems like they're buying in. So, Viggs, what does Minnesota need to do to stop Ohio State this weekend? Because right now it's looking like uh, – you know, Ohio State's coming in with all the power, all the all the experience. Uh, what does Minnesota need to do? We've seen Minnesota play with the top teams, 
But what does Minnesota need to do to play with Ohio State? Well, I think we saw when they played Minnesota Duluth their recipe for playing against a tough team. You know, that first night, you know, you got to get off to a good start. You got to have that good 10 minute game that we used to hear all the time from Don Lucia. Well, that's legitimate when you're playing against a top team like Ohio State. You know, you want to feel out the game, feel where the space is going to be, understand what kind of forecheck you're going to be up against, and just, you know, get to work a little bit. I think sometimes Minnesota gets in these games and they just want to go, go, go right away, and they, you know, play without a conscience. And so I think they have to be real disciplined or this game could get away from them. Ohio State can really shut you down if you're behind, and that's a situation Minnesota can't afford to get into. And they've got to stay out of the penalty box because it it does look like Ohio State loads up those top guys when they get a power play opportunity. Yeah, so so I'll throw that at you, Cappy. What does Minnesota yeah. need to do to uh, <laughs> to get it going and stop Ohio State? Well, I think I think first, and and maybe you know you saw it last weekend with Michigan State, and you heard what you know the coach said about playing an eighty-five foot game is. You know, maybe a catch Ohio State off balance. They don't practice. They don't get any ice time on a, an Olympic sheet. Um, so, you know, maybe Minnesota does come out and use their speed and use that that extra space maybe to their advantage to a team that hasn't seen it or skated on it all season. I would think maybe you do want to get off to, you know, maybe get Buckeyes on their heels early on and, you know, maybe get that first game like they did with the Spartans. But obviously also knowing that they're an experienced team, you know, play with discipline, staying out of the box. So <laughs> I, they don't need to play a perfect game. Ohio State is not going to run you out of the rink 6 nothing. you know, and they're not going to, you know, unless you're making huge mistakes, they're not going to, you know, do that kind of thing. So you can stay in a game and, and you can jump on them early, like I said, taking advantage of the ice. And I, and I say this all the time, uh, you know, watching a power play and knowing where those hash marks are, guys get mesmerized you know, not realizing that, that, you know, the ice is wider and you don't, you know, <laughs> chasing out there. And then next thing you know, your gap's too far and there's passing lanes open for one-timers. And next thing you know, you know, Minnesota's got Tyler Sheehy's hot, you know, and, and that's something that's got to continue if they want to uh, jump on the Buckeyes early. And that's, that's totally what happened to Michigan State on Friday night. You know, they had guys chasing players to the wall and then all of a sudden you got two forwards eating up the rest of the ice. And there's yeah. just so much space if you can get them to chase you to the wall, to the corners. Um, and that's something they might be able to take advantage of. But I'm sure Rolex is going to prepare these guys for that. Yeah, it's but it, it, they will, and I'm sure they'll come in and practice there, you know, tomorrow. But, you know, it's a, it's a brain thing. You know, you're used to – you practice every day, and you see the ice this size, and you just you just go, and, you know, that's your system to go. And you can try to make these tweaks. It's just a matter of how quickly they can adjust – you know, they've been, you know, they're an older veteran team. A lot of these guys have played at Minnesota quite a few times. Um, but I just think it's it's that first time out, you know, wow, I, oh, there, there's that much more room. I, am I going? Am I staying? You might hesitate, and then it might cost you one way or the other. So I think that's where Minnesota can jump on them early, um, you know, and try to, you know, roll some momentum because, you know, you go into the, to Mariucci sometimes and, 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 the Gophers can gain some momentum and get those fans behind them, and, and it can get difficult for the visitors. 
All right. Well, let's hear your predictions then. I, I'm thinking split just because I think Minnesota is still that Jekyll and Hyde team. I think they could come out and win a game fairly easily and then just kind of crap their pants the next night. It's, <laughs> it's what we've seen so far. I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, Viggs, what do you think? Oh, man, it's going to be a tight <laughs> series, I think. Uh, I'm feeling like there's going to be a split. We might see our first Big Ten three-on-three hockey for Minnesota oh, this beat, weekend. Beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I get to go first, Cappy. But I, I think no. we'll see a game go to overtime here. Uh, these teams can play with each other. I think it's good for Minnesota to play a team like Ohio State. I don't think they play quite as heavy as Minnesota State and North Dakota. So it's going to be a, a better fit for them style-wise um, opportunity for both teams to show what they got. Gappy? Yeah, you know, we haven't really talked about, about this part, but the, the goaltending is an interesting. They've both kind of been splitting weekends. Uh, you know, with the Buckeyes, you, you know, you thought Sean Romeo was the guy, but they've got two guys in there now, and one just had three shutouts, Romeo and the other guys leading the country, uh, Napier and a goal to save percentage. And then, you know, Robson, it looks like when he plays, the the, uh, the Gophers give up more shots. I don't yeah. know if that's a mental thing or just luck of the draw. Um, but, yeah, I, I see maybe, you know, I, I see a tie in a, in a win or, you know, maybe an overtime win. Um, but I, I think a split, I want you know, or maybe, a, <laughs> a, I, maybe the Buckeyes get one and then they tie. I think it really, I think Minnesota's game is Friday. I, I really do think that, you know, they're coming off of a loss. It seems like they've reacted pretty well to maybe a bad loss. They did that with St. Lawrence. Um, uh, but, you know, I, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe the 2-1, it won't be a ton of goals. That's my other prediction. I don't think, you know, you know, 2-1 games, 3-2 tops. But, uh, you know, I've been wrong before. But that's what I'm, I'm thinking right now is maybe a, a – but go for maybe shootout win. Let's go there. I'll go there. Go, go for <laughs> Friday and a Buckeye uh, win Saturday. There you go. And you know what's going to happen now. They're going to have one of those uh, six. Eight to five. Eight five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know Three what? Years I, was, ago. Yeah, I was doing the reverse curse there. Because, <laughs> you know, what was that? Minnesota had like six power play goals at Ohio State. Was it two seasons ago? And it was just a, the strangest yeah. game. Wild game. It was. Yeah, I, you know, what's, what is interesting is, you know, one thing that the Buckeyes did last year, their special teams were great. Their penalty kill, I believe, was number one all year. They have not been that good on the penalty kill. I mean, Friday's loss to Penn State was pretty much a direct correlation. They gave up two power play goals mm-hmm. to Penn State in that 4-3 loss, and they gave up, you know, another one on Saturday. And that just last year it would be a shock if they gave up a goal on the power play. And, and you know, Vig said, you know, she's weren't, great power play goals but hey you get power play goals it, it, it you know it can feed some confidence and, and you know Tyler's obviously now got to be feeling pretty good about you know his game and his shot so I mean that could be a big key and uh, the Buckeyes don't take a ton of penalties so you know they got to take advantage of those power plays uh, on the weekend when they do get them and yeah, I will say that the Gophers power plays may be a little deceiving on how they've gotten uh, their nine goals I'd say over half of them have just kind of been great individual plays at the right moment. You know, it's not like they're getting tons of pressure, tons of great A's. It's just they do have some talent when they have time and space or if a team forgets about them, uh, they can capitalize. Yeah, I, I think that's just maybe one piece that maybe the Gophers are missing is that, you know, Phillips is, is a really good skilled defenseman, but 
I guess you're spoiled when you got guys like Mike Riley back there and, and you go back to the, the Leopolds and the Martins and stuff. But, you know, like that couple of lead guys that are just that quarterback, that power play so well, they get guys in the right positions. And then it just like it's target practice out there. I've seen so many Cobra teams do that. You know, you get the guys on the high uh, hash marks and just one timing away across pass through the seam. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that if they can get back to that, uh, you know, they could have some success. Well, there you go. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us, Cappy. Hey, man, I'm I'm glad I got the invite. I've been you know I've been listening to you guys. I get my you know gopher information from you guys. You guys do a great job, and uh, you know anytime uh, you want me to come on there and jabber with you, feel free to ask. Well, we really appreciate it. Remember, you could follow Cappy on Twitter at c a p p y twenty seven Cappy twenty seven. Um, so make sure you do that. Viggs, you got anything going on with the athletic this week? My Romanco Ramsey Norman line story will be out on Friday, so look for that on the Athletic and and more stuff down the line. And hopefully, we can get them to score some goals one of these days. Yeah, they're getting closer. Uh, <laughs> they they had a great weekend against Wisconsin, uh, not as promising against Michigan State. You know, there's a lot of guys on the team right now. There's just a tentative style of player right now, and whether it's on the power play, whether it's through the neutral zone. You know, when there's not a lot of space there, it's just a lot of guys standing still. And it's it's a feeling out period for them, and we'll see what happens this weekend. Right, we will see. Um, if uh, we'll, we'll be back next week to recap this series with Ohio State and uh, preview the series with Michigan before we take our three-week or so hiatus, you know, for the Christmas break like everyone else does. But uh, for those of you listening live, we'll have a little bit of overtime coming up. But uh, we'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.